Welcome to the Engineers Hub Podcast, where engineers come to connect, learn, grow, and get inspired. On every episode, we will be interviewing engineers, managers, technical experts, and industry leaders from various disciplines to share their stories and experience, uncover various engineering career paths, and inspire engineers to do more and be more. This is your host, Mamadou Jallo. Let's get started. Another edition of the Engine Hub podcast. I am here today with our guest, Scott Harvey Lewis. Scott, how are you doing? Excellent. Um, nice, to, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. We made this happen really quickly. And it's a nice Sunday night here, so let's, let's get down to business, right? Yeah, it's um, definitely great having you here. Um, pleasure is all mine, so thank you for agreeing to come on here. Um, can you please go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself and tell us about um, who you are, where you're based, and, and what it is that you actually do? Sure. So I'm Scott Lewis. I'm a VP with EX, which is Engineering Express. Um, I mainly handle operations and, and helping the company grow in many different ways. Um, about 16 years of engineering experience as a structural engineer, forensic expert, ranging from doing designs on heavy industrial plants all the way through litigation on, on collapses and so forth. So uh, a good breadth of experience, but right now the main focus has been just building teams, people, uh, and companies. So having a lot of fun doing that right now. All righty. That was quick. Where are you based? <laughs> oh, I'm in South Florida, West Palm Beach. Oh, nice. That's uh, nice over there. Um, weather usually stays warm all year round, right? Yeah, I just told you. It was just with the boys at the beach. So came home real quick, took a shower, and now on online with you. Jonathan here, yep. Luckily, this is not a... It doesn't require too much preparation. <laughs> you just got to show up and be ready to talk. Yeah. Um, so... Alrighty, so structural engineering. Uh, how long you been? Um, you been uh, an engineer? So I graduated in December two thousand four. Started working in February two thousand five, and um, so at the turn of the year, it'd be a seventeen years of experience. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, it's time is flying. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I always wonder because I've I actually graduated twenty nineteen, so I'm still a recently graduate. Um, but just time seems to be flying by. Has, has that been the case for you? Well, you, you, you let me have kids. So, you know, when that comes into the mix, I think <laughs> the years go by a lot faster than when I was just by myself. Right. Alrighty. Um, so, okay. Did you actually, um, did you study structural engineering when in school or was it something like civil? How, how did you get into being a structural engineer? Was it, did you major in structural engineering? No, so, so interestingly, um, when I was in Jamaica trying to figure out where I was going to go to college, I had a few applications in front of me. My mom said, hey, you know, aerospace engineering sounds great. So I enrolled. I started doing aerospace engineering. And two semesters in, um, you know, guys in class were talking about all different types of planes and so forth. And I was doing okay in the class. I was getting A's. Um, but I was like, I really don't care about planes. So, <laughs> so I was like, I got I to gotta switch. Um, but my school didn't have architecture, which probably is what I would have done if, if I had a choice. Mm-hmm. So the, the next closest thing was um, civil engineering. And then when I was able to jump on the structural engineering track, then I started doing the structural courses. And then um, I graduated, started working as a structural designer. 
did my masters um, and picked up structural classes, and then from there it was just you know all structural after that. Did you say? Did you say you did your um, your bachelor's in Jamaica? Or? No, bachelor's was here in in at, at Florida Tech. Okay, yeah. alrighty. Alright, so you, you basically you graduated from Florida and you stayed in Florida. No plans in moving. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I, I moved around in Florida, but you know it's it's close. It's close to home. Uh-huh. It's it's sunny all year round. You know, the climate is close to what I know, and uh-huh. kind of have the roots here now. So I, I'm not sure if I'm going to be moving anytime soon. Okay, alrighty. And so, um, can you explain that again? So, so when you started working, you started out as a um, design engineer, right? And yeah, structural designer. Stru- Sorry, what was that? So you you know when at least in Florida you can't call yourself an engineer until you pass your your your, your PE license. Okay. So in the first job it was just a designer, mm-hmm. and you know because I was in the structural team they called me a structural designer. So I was doing a lot of you know CAD drawings for structural designs. I was doing some calculations here and there, mm-hmm. um, modeling, but it was structural based. And, and then, um, can you just like explain us a little bit, you know, your career track? I know some people listen to this, so, you know, and some, some people listen because they want to see what are the options out there. Can you just okay. elaborate for us, you know, like so, how you transitioned to, to what you're doing now? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, interesting enough, looking back at things, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good at most things, right? Do I love engineering? I probably would have to pass on that one. But I was good enough to be at engineering to keep progressing. Um, so I started out with structural because I wanted to be an architect, right? So it, it, you know, I stuck with those classes. Because of those classes, I became a structural designer. Mm-hmm. And because I was a designer and got my license and so forth, I became a structural engineer. And then um, in around 2008, 2009, because of the downturn in the economy, most people weren't building anymore, but there was a lot of... Um, let's call it you know, rehabilitation, restoration work in certain structures. Mm. So I started doing more of that, which was investigations and writing protocols. And then we got involved in some, um, uh, let's call it litigation matters where they needed expert witnesses. Mm. And through that, I became more on the expert witness track where I was doing depositions and writing expert reports. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple of years of that and... You know, you have experience with projects, you have experience with designs and so forth, and then you start building teams. Mm-hmm. And in building teams, you start building offices. And um, after I build some offices, then people want me to help build companies. So, you know, th- that track has led me to find out that I, I really am more um, geared towards people and process and operations, more than the engineering. I mean, I can do it, but I really enjoy that side of things, which is working on the business. Okay. All right. Okay, so um, I was going to ask, so just in terms of, you know, when you mentioned back in 2000, 2009, a lot of people weren't building, right? So um, there was a lot of rehabilitation and things like that. Do you see that coming back, especially with how, and also when you're doing uh, structural design, was it, was it based on buildings or did you do stuff like uh, tra- uh, transportation, like bridges and, and, and stuff like that also? It was buildings and miscellaneous structures to do with... Um the firm I was with was doing lots of parks and um, industrial work. So it was mostly vertical construction. It wasn't bridges. Okay. So, so building codes, not, not Ashto. I see. Yeah, the, I was just asking because, you know, even right now, um, 
other than what's happening with the government. You know, they're, they're trying to push for a bill. No, I think they actually passed a bill for just the infrastructure of the U.S. where because a lot of the roads and bridges are 70-plus years old and uh, deteriorating. So there's a lot of opportunities over there. I wasn't sure if you were, um, if you, um, were familiar or aware of I heard, I heard about it. I didn't know if it was passed or not, but... In South Florida, I mean, most people have heard about the, the towers that collapsed. So that kind of changed the game mm-hmm. in South Florida, where a lot of attention is now on restoration and rehab of older condominiums or high rises. So, you know, it's whether it's private sector or if it's public right now that you're talking about, it seems like the focus is to get the buildings in, in top shape. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so... Now, okay, you said something very important, right? You talked about, well, when, you know, you started out doing design, a lot of design, and you realized you transitioned into working with people, right? Is that, um, that seems to be, well, if someone's listening, how, how do they know? Like, do you just know, right? When, when you're working, I guess, do you know back when you were in school, back when you were in class, and even in the office, did you realize where your strength lied, where it was in with people? I mean, I'm sure you're so strong as a designer, but which one you preferred more? Well, you know, w- one thing I've really started to think about recently is, um, I, don't, I won't say I knew, but some things came a lot easier, right? And it, I don't think everybody, I don't know if people, other people think like this, but for me, if I, something comes easy to me, I think it comes easy to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But what I realize is that's, that's not the case, right? Yeah, it's not. So what comes easy to me is, is relationships. What comes easy to me is selling things. Um, what comes easy is building teams, um, fixing uh, bottlenecks to, to, to create growth. And so when um, I talk about those things, and it, I, I was like, this is obvious. To some people, it's not obvious. So now I'm realizing the more and more people I talk to and even tell me about myself, it's like, okay, you're actually really good at that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was okay at engineering. I probably was pretty good, but um, I didn't love it. And um, it's, it's not something that necessarily I feel like I was exceptional at that, you know? So. Well, you did all right if you got your license. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Um, so, can you can you explain to us a little bit? Um, uh, I think some of us are a lot more familiar with structural engineers because I feel like that's uh, when you take things like statics. Uh, that's like one of those um, intro to engineering courses where everybody takes it. It doesn't matter if you're computer uh, or, or or software. Can you just explain to us a little bit? You know what what it entails actually being a structural engineer. So in civil, civil is very broad. You can take different paths. It could be transportation. It could be environmental. It could be um, water resource. Mm-hmm. So the structural track usually is now when you start to focus on loading, um, concrete design, steel design, um, different type of materials, wood, and different type of loads, snow loads, wind loads, and how do you put all that together to create a, a structure that can take the loads from the top all the way to the foundations and, and to the to the um to the earth. So that's that's the realm of of civil engineering that deals with the infrastructure as opposed to um water or environmental or, or even geotechnical which is the soil. Mm-hmm. So basically we like so 
you know, I'm a project engineer, but I'm on the execution end, right? Usually the company that I work for, um, the design's already been um, come up with and approved, right? Mm-hmm. My job uh, is making sure that, you know, as a sub, we are executing on, on the drawings. So basically, um, a lot of these projects that involve construction or things like that, the structural engineers or designers are the first, first in line when it comes to that, really after you do the, the site visits and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, if depending on which professionals are involved, you have the architect that has a you know uh, the vision of what the building is going to look like, and he puts it in into play, and then a structural engineer comes in and essentially puts the bones in, right? The uh-huh. beams, the columns, and and make sure it can withstand the loading, and then you bring in the MEP engineers after that, and they they make sure it's it's it has the right air transfer and so forth and electricity. But um, yeah, we do all the designs. And then it may go back and forth through permitting. And then once it gets permitted and it goes to construction, then maybe your team comes into place to make sure that the contractors are doing things according to the plans mm-hmm. and to, according to code. All righty. It's a very good summary of that. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all righty. Now, I, I, I have some questions um, just about um, Engineering Express. But maybe mm-hmm. we can uh, transition them a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit later. Uh, but my question, this question was more so really related to, um, you know, when, when, you, when you went against your, your, uh, your mom's wishes, <laughs> basically when you <laughs> went against uh, doing uh, aerospace and infrastructural engineering, um, you know, is this kind of what you saw yourself doing? Like, th- did you envision this? Where, where I am now versus yes. where I was in college? Yes. Actually, I really didn't know, um, you know, what what I went to. But if I so the, the interesting thing is, as I go through life, I, I feel like, you know, now I know myself better to the point where maybe I'm more of a, um, you know, HR slash cultural professional that type of world that's dealing with you know people and and soft skills and how do you make the environment more conducive to to people's um, needs and wants. I feel like that's where I really gravitate towards. Um, so, but, you know, if, if engineering took me there at the end of the day, then, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not a bad, bad route to get there. But I think where I started was definitely, you know, where I'm born, you know, you only have so many places that people tell you to go. You want to be a doctor, an attorney, an engineer. It's not like there's this, this breadth of professions to choose from. Right. right. Um, so, but it's, you know, it's, it's good to find out what you're really good at and then dig deep into that skill set. Yeah, I just to add on to that, it probably probably that background, that foundational education, probably made you better at whatever you're doing now. Like made you better at it because you can understand things not just from like the like you said the, uh, the the people's point of view, but you can also speak the other designers or the, the other engineers' language, right? Yeah. Whereas if yeah. you have someone who went, if you had gone through the route of HR and then now you're in this position it'd be like a big knowledge gap, even though with the people side, it might be good, but also there's the underlying factors that people consider, you, which you are able to consider and think about as you make decisions and, and things like that. Yeah, that's true. And also, if you know, in, in changing careers or different type of roles, you know, I've been on the end of having to you know, go through a transition of employment, right? Or, mm-hmm. or go to a place that maybe is not best suited for growth as opposed to seeing another place that 
you know, really pushes for people to have this career path. So putting that all together, I think I can give pretty good advice to, to somebody who may be looking for what's best for them or, you know, maybe a reality check sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, all right, like I told you, I'm going to, I have some questions about some of your posts on, on, on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> alluding to, I know, so one of these posts you shared how, um, you were applying for this role and, uh, basically, uh, whoever was the interviewer, they, because they saw the name, they were expecting, uh, someone totally different or whatever. So when they, and then when, when you saw, when, when then you, the day off came and they just, it was just like a shock. Can you, have you had a lot of these um, moments like throughout your career so far? And can you just uh, like elaborate that a little bit? Um, Well, well, the interesting fact is, you know, being from Jamaica, it's a, it's a different environment there. Right. Um, I've, I've always gone to school with, you know, a huge mix of people and, 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 you know, there's always been females in my class and there was never a distinction between sex or race. I think more in Jamaica, maybe it's class distinctions, if you have money or not, right? So, so for the most part, whoever's in class with you or as you grow up, it's, you're all equal, right? The, 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 um, the country's actual motto is out of many one people, right? Mm. So coming to America, I really don't, I'm not really honed into those things but then sometimes things happen I'm like wait a second was was that what I think it was right so in in the case of that um recount that I put on on, out there which it seemed like it touched a lot of a lot of of nerves in some ways but um what was interesting to me is like I said the guy called me right Uh we spoke I'm a licensed engineer I have many years of experience we talked about the issue um it was obvious that he needed the help Uh um it wasn't a surprise that I was going to show up the next day, right? right? I mean, it wasn't a surprise, the company. It wasn't like I was just cold calling and selling services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, oh, I was telling my wife, imagine you have a serious issue happening, like you need a surgery or something, right? And you go in and you're in, in the emergency room and the doctor comes in for the first time and you see him and you're like, you're not going to ask him where he went to school, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's, that's just not or an attorney helping you with something. You're not going to ask those questions if you're in the heat of the moment. So right. in coming to him with an issue and him knowing I was coming and the first question he asked is like, so wait a second, where, where did you go to school? It's like, what the hell? Right? And so yeah. that's why I responded the way I did. But um, so in that moment, I was just like, this is just weird, you know. Um, but there, there are a few of them. Um, if I stop to think about it sometimes, there are probably more than I've, I've considered. No, but. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, I think at the end of the day, your mindset and if you're educated and intelligent and, you know, uh, friendly in a way that you can get past all that stuff. But sometimes you have to like scratch your head and be like, what the, <laughs> what the just happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Some, yeah, I honestly, I myself, I don't, I, I rarely ever notice stuff like that. Sometimes. Right. Even just outside of the engineering world, my you know when I talk to my wife or we have this, we get into these heated debates, like how you know when you talk to people or where they ignore you, but you see they have time for the people. Should you take a personal? So mm-hmm. uh, like we we get into these heated debates where I tell her, well, my philosophy is that you know try not to take things personal. Like it right. is what it is. You know if if someone gets back to you or not, like I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna be fine either way. Like so I don't. 
I'm not even gonna allow you to like rent space in my head. So some right. of less things like that pass, uh, like you said. So you know, it happens yeah. to some. But if, like you said, if your mindset is is not there, you know, sometimes your mind, if your mindset is there too, you might see things that aren't even there, like where you you start to like, yeah. second guess everything too. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I'm just not I'm just not wired like that. But um, but definitely, I mean, it's. If you look at just the profession and maybe you know where you are in terms of um, like in South Florida where I'm, generally I'm going to be more of the the exception than what's you know the norm. So, mm-hmm. but in this day and age, I mean, I, I think I guess you know it's it's strange sometimes when you get certain reactions and you're like seriously. <laughs> But, you know, I think it's changing overall. And I think, you know, um, it's one of the reasons, honestly, um, one of the main reasons I started the Engineer Podcast where I wanted to kind of show the diversity of engineering because right. there was diversity, um, you know, in when I went to class, I, I there were diverse people majoring in engineering, but it was also a majority Caucasian. Um, so sometimes, like, it does feel like, where well, are you alone or, or stuff like that? Um, so it's one of the reasons why I started this to try and may bring the as many diverse uh, guests of as many backgrounds as possible. Um, yeah, just just to help kind of eradicate that that notion, you know. Um, yeah. So can you tell us more? Um, I know you you kind of alluded to what you do now with Express Engineering. Can you can you elaborate a little bit, like how I guess how you transitioned from. Because I believe you were with um, you were doing consulting right before um, uh, you became the vice president of Express Engineering. Um, is this now where you're doing a lot more working with people? Um, can you like tell us more about what you, what it is you actually do? So, in, so I was I started with Engineering Express um, in April of the year. So I've been there like six six months now. But prior to that, I was doing um, like you said consulting for just over five years with, with my last firm. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that um, opportunity, what happened was, you know, I was tasked with essentially building a region and nobody knew how it would go. Um, in, in fact, the, the goal was in five years to be eight to nine people, right? And we had a space and um, that if, if, if I was, if I'd hit that, everybody would have been, you know, ecstatic, you know, eight mm-hmm. people, nine people in, one, in that small space in five years. But what happened was, in, you know, in the five-year mark, we grew from the small space into a bigger one that was three times the size. We were at 20 people in that office. You know, it helped form another office that was five people um, there. And then we had started another office in, in Tampa, which was, you know, one person at the time. So it grew really fast. And because of the growth, I had to be involved in many different things that weren't just engineering anymore, right? Right. I had to be doing recruiting. I had to be doing... um says HR to some extent, you know, people coming with issues and trying to resolve them. You know, I had to be doing um, career path for people, uh, mentoring, leading. Um, a lot was happening at once, not just being uh, an engineer or, or an expert on a, on a project. So, um, but what happened was really, really great. I mean, you, the, the amount of um, revenue that was being done in those offices was about you know, close to five million a year, right? Wow. And, you know, we had like 26 people 
that I was in charge of. And then I'd grown to the point where I was in charge of all the engineers in the company, which was about 50 plus. Mm-hmm. So I had to, most of my, my day was spent you know, putting out fires or um, chasing, chasing collections in some way or trying to drive in business in another, mm-hmm. recruiting in another. And I just got really good at that. And um, when it was time to transition, um, Frank at Engineer Express, we had a relationship and we talked and he said, I need someone like you to help me grow the business. And um, so I came in and so far so good. So all the skills I learned at, at the last place translated well to, to where I am now. And I'm solely in a spot right now where the, where the aim is to take the vision, you know, spread it up across the, the company's departments and you know, get the right clients in get the process in place and, and recruit top, top engineers to help bring the vision home. So, so it's, it's been great so far. Can't complain. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I, I, have, I have two follow-up questions on that. <laughs> the first one is a little bit silly, but like where, where I work at, I get this, a lot of comments. When, when you talked about managing people and stuff, um, I get this notion that engineers are really hard to work with. Have you ever gotten that? Um, well, okay. So going back to what I said about learning, um, what you're good at. So not everybody's a good manager, right? And even if they take training and do all that stuff, it doesn't mean they'll, they'll become a good manager, right? So I just thought, I thought personally that as you grow as a person or as an engineer, naturally you'll become a good supervisor, good manager, good leader, whatever it is. Um, but that's not how it is for everybody. Some people just want to engineer and sometimes, a tenured engineer who's a good engineer is put in charge of people, but really doesn't have the people skills or the soft skills to really lead. And this is, you know, then, then you can bring into to, to play maybe a difference in personalities. So, you know, everybody doesn't realize that people communicate differently. And just because somebody wants to be quiet or somebody wants to talk doesn't mean they're rude, right, to right. the other person. So um, in, in learning that, most engineers, just because of the nature of the work, are more quiet, are more into numbers, are more focused, um, because that's why they chose engineering, right? They right. want to be, be, be banging through calculations. Um, whereas the more personable people may have, may have come into engineering, but they're more of the minority in that case. And so if you are a personable person that's really um, in tune to people's emotions and have empathy and, and caring and want create this collaborative environment, then probably you'll find out that engineers are hard to work with because the chances are your supervisors are not like that. So it's like, wh- why can't we all just have fun and do work? And it's like, they, they just, they don't want to. I right. mean, it's not, it's not on the top of their list right now. <laughs> it's, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, as I, I was um to answer the question you asked, throughout my career, I didn't feel in place when I'd go to like engineering events for engineers like I, I just didn't fit in yeah. and um I don't you know but now I know why and you know it's okay you know interesting okay. that's interesting <laughs> the reason so basically uh how our set up how our office is set up is we have the 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 administrative staff and then we have the the, the project management staff which is like the project manager and the project engineer you know and we have a safety and quality so a lot of times when the PM office, when we talk and communicate, like, amongst us, it makes perfect sense. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way somebody could misunderstand this. And then somehow when, when we get into meetings and uh, talk, talk to everyone else, 
they're just like, what in the world is going on? So right. it's like, like you said, it's that communication. Whereas like if you have that certain mindset or, or, or background of like the way you communicate, it's, it's analytical and it's a certain way and everyone around you understand it. But then when you mm-hmm. get out of that environment, um, other people find trouble actually getting you. So being able to switch, like you said, you think everybody can do it, but it's not the case. No, no. And I've, I've worked with very smart engineers that, you know, are probably the best at what they do, but the clients don't want to talk to them. Right. And so, you know, I always tell people that work with me that engineer, if in the consulting world world, or if you want to be, um, you know, it may be different if you're working for maybe a Lockheed Martin or something where it's very, you know, um, you know, you're engineering, that's it, right? You're not really dealing with clients on a whole because you have contracts uh-huh. and it's very, you know, tight knit like that. Yeah. But if you're in a private sector role where you have to deal with clients and, uh-huh. you know, you want to be able to build trust uh-huh. and um, grow in the career of being a consultant, not just an engineer, then uh-huh. the engineering component, being a good engineer is probably just a third of the game, right? Whereas being able to communicate and um, being able to sell and, and market and, and build trust, that's probably two-thirds of the game, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people only focus on this one-third, one-third, and then you have people that are really good at the two-thirds and maybe half as good at this, but overall they're, they're going to be a much better consultant right. than somebody who's put all the eggs in the third. So um, I always tell people try to be as complete of a person mm-hmm. as possible, you know, because engineering... I'm not saying that everybody can do it, but it's, it's very finite, right? There's formulas, there's this, mm-hmm. there's codes. You put it all together and you get an answer. But this world where communication, um, you know, public speaking, uh, that, that stuff not everybody can do. And it takes practice as well. So do you focus on that side and build yourself up as a true professional is, is something else I encourage people to do. All right. Another follow-up question. <laughs> not, <laughs> the, uh, before I forget, so the other question I was going to ask you, is, uh, you know, what does it take to, to do something like you did in terms of, like, that region? But that's not, we can, we can pause that. I'm just saying it so we don't forget. But the other question I was going to ask just as a follow-up is, um, so, you know, were you, did you do anything, like, to help you improve your communication and things like that? Like, some of the traits that you just brought up, right? Did you, were you doing, when you were doing uh, design work, um, you know, were there things that you were intentionally doing that, to help you develop some of those skills and traits that you just mentioned? Um, well, a couple of things um, that I did was, besides you know, going from design to forensic, and, and it was a completely different shift, and you have much more interaction with clients right. and um, attorneys, contractors, this world is just, you're out of the office a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. So, but just by the nature, you're going to have to deal with many more people, mm-hmm. right? So as opposed to when I was just engineering and I was not really leaving the office much, I was probably in the office maybe 90 to 95% of the time. So the most people I was talking to was maybe my supervisor and coworkers. So changing professions um, or, or, or just what you call it, disciplines, really helped me as, as the type of person I was because I was more extroverted and more geared towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of public speaking and presentations, um, through my, my religion, we just do a lot of, of training like that. So, you know, not everybody is, is like that. So I'd encourage them to maybe do Toastmasters or something where you're trained to speak and you go through all the modules and you give talks in front of people. 
and uh, I've given many presentations in front of not just you know for religious reasons, but um, I've done many presentations for board members, for engineers, for you know workmates. So giving talking in front of people, I'm not at all. Um, what's the word? That doesn't bother me at all to go and just talk. If somebody said to me today, to "Hey, it. you have to talk to these thirty people." I wouldn't be scared, right? Because that's a small group to me. You know, I've talked in front of maybe hundreds of people before. So, um, but that's a, a skill that I wasn't just naturally. Oh my goodness, I can't wait! But over time, you get used to that, and that's something that you really want to um, you know, cultivate because it's it's a good skill to have. Not everybody can do that. So, mm-hmm. I would say definitely pick up something where you can do public speaking, and um, you know, do things that are are within the industry that make you see, seem to be. Or, or cultivate you as an expert in the industry, right? So if you're a civil engineer, there are many different groups you can join, um, different um, boards or committees that do and write codes. Um, and that, with that comes opportunities to speak and, and meet with different people. So I think that's really the, the, um, the secret sauce to that. You just have to get out and start talking, right? Yeah. That's, uh, like, this is reminding me... Um yeah, thank you for sharing that because that's something a lot of people struggle with. And um, even including myself, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, when I uh, originally, when I came here from, from West Africa at 13, I actually, I did not speak English at all. So I started high school and I was, it was very, I was very shy and timid because I didn't speak the understand the language, you know, and uh, uh, I played soccer, but even still, like in the classroom, I was still that quiet kid, you know, did my work right. and moved on. Um, so it was only after I graduated high school and I went to community college, I forced myself, uh, you know, to, hey, like, first myself, listening to, um, like, that, there are other people who share some of the advice you mentioned, you know, so joining clubs and organizations, involving myself, talking more, interacting with people, you know, leading projects and things like that. And... Uh, Forcing myself, I actually, I had joined Toastmasters, you know, I used Mm -hmm. to be Toastmasters, but I moved on beyond that. Um, So just continue, continuously working and putting myself in an environment where you have to interact with people. You know, even now, as a project engineer, I do a lot of calculations and project planning and things like that, but I also do a lot of uh, um, work oversight. So, you know, we have, when we have a full staff, like, communicate a lot of them, with a lot of them, communicate with the, the, the office, like, tracking everything, work a lot with our clients. So it's a lot, it's forcing me a lot to get out of that comfort zone of just right. working by myself. So, yeah, definitely, thank you. Thank you for sharing that advice because that's something a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, work, work on that two-thirds, not just the, the calculations and engineering portion, and you're going to be a much better, more all-rounded professional when, it, when the time comes. Okay. And now, back to the other question. <laughs> so, how, okay, um, you know, that's what you mentioned, what you talked about. Um, obviously, there was a reason why they had a, the goal of eight, nine, eight to nine people in five years, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it was not something that would be easy. So, what does it take? Um, just in terms of, can you just talk to us in terms of just mindset and, and, and confidence, like, and also, I'm sure there are other factors at play, which I can I don't know enough to mention. But what does it take to be able to 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 build at that scale? Like, can you just talk to us about that? Um, 
Well, well, besides having, you know, let's say you have a, a good market and you have a good product, right? So if you don't, if you don't have a good market or you don't have a market to, or a client, an ideal client, and you don't have a service, it's going to be difficult to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you assume that you have a skill set and you have clientele that need it and there's a certain market area. Um, you know, what, what it comes down to is just, just sheer grit and tenacity and just the will to, to, to succeed at, because it's not, it's not easy by any means, right? Um, at some times you're going to be wearing multiple hats because at first it was just me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I won a project, I had to do it. But while I'm doing this project, I have to go try win more. And then when I'm getting too much just for me, then I have to hire somebody and then start training them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I'm trying to train them and do the project and win work. And then as it grows more, I have to hire somebody else. And then it's, 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 it's a juggling act. Right. But I think the, the biggest thing is just, you know, how hungry are you as a person? Um, how humble are you as a person? Because as you bring people on, to support it, it just can't be. This is my way. Do it right because mm-hmm. people aren't robots. So how do you collaborate and how do you bring people on as a team and make them feel like you know they're working towards something that's that's bigger than them mm-hmm. and that they can have fun doing it at the same point and have have a good team environment, a good a good place to work. So it it's, it took a lot. I mean, I grew a lot as a person. I mean, probably <laughs> one of the reasons why I took that assignment was because I was young and naive and thought. You know, could it, you know, how hard could it be, right? Right. Um, but looking back, I mean, it, it's a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of LinkedIn time trying to find people. Um, I mean, I would, I would probably wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, to be quite frank. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also to, to, be, to, to be true, like I said, in doing that, I, I found out what I was good at because not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, so like, I just, it's it's just the truth. Not everybody can do what I did, and um, not because that's I'm something special, but I'm just good at that, right? Mm-hmm. And so because and and I can see I'm good at that now because where I where I've gone to at Engineering Express, like I'm I'm doing the same thing, and there's the same type of results, right? We're growing pretty fast. I've already added some key teammates. Revenue is up thirty um, percent. The culture is is resonating. People are happy. Mm-hmm. So so I know what I'm good at now. And, you know, I can really focus on that as opposed to what, you know, thinking, okay, maybe that might have been a coincidence or, you know, I, I know where to focus my efforts right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're saying is, is reminds me this, uh, do you, are you familiar with uh, that? Um, it's very famous. People say it all the time. It's by Guillaume Apollinaire. Are you familiar with that? No, what is it? What is it? Tell so me what it says. It's like, so I'll, I'll just read it. I have it up. Uh, come to the edge, he said. We can't. We're afraid. They responded. Come to the edge, he said. We can't. We will fall. They responded. Come to the edge, he said. And so they came, and he pushed them, and they flew. So that's what there happened. You Basically, you um, you push yourself to the edge because I guess, like you said, <laughs> you didn't know. You you thought you could <laughs> do it, but hey, you flew. Right, so that's, that's yeah. amazing. Um, well, well, that's why I'm trying to, you know, one thing, everybody, you know, everybody wants to be like the boss or in charge or run big things, and but it's not for everybody, right? And but you can be the best, you can be at what you're good at. So you can have really great engineers. I work with them uh-huh. that are really good at doing certain things in engineering. And if you give them the platform 
they can become like technical experts and then you can put people under them and they get trained to be very good at what they do, right? Mm -hmm. And then someone like me who may be good at sales and selling and bringing in work, you put me there and I can bring in work and give it to the technical people, right? And it's like building a team. If you, if you play basketball or soccer, whatever it is, like the guy playing defense may be really good or even a goalkeeper, really good at saving the ball, but you put him up front to try and score and he's not good, right? So everybody has a key position and then you put them in the position and then you play the game, right? Because mm -hmm. the company or a team or an office is multiple people. If everybody's trying to be the boss, we're going to have problems. If everybody's trying to just do the work, we're going to have problems. But if everybody can sit in the right seat and resonate there, and, and be supported there, then you're going to really have a strong team. And, and that's, that's the real goal, is to get people in the right seats, and then we play. Mm -hmm. So how, so now, like, that's another, this is another people question, right? But when you bring someone in, <laughs> when you bring someone in, and you think they might be good at this position, but you realize they may be better at another position, um, how, like, do you, I mean, what do you what do you do in that sense? Do you like suggest they move over there, or like do you try to like just bring somebody else, you know, in, or is it a combination of both? Well, so so, good questions. So I I've hired somebody before that that you know they were senior, they were the first person I hired, and so I put them in, in to lead that team, right? So I essentially said, okay, take my position, mm -hmm. so I can do other things, lead the team, and they failed, right? And I had somebody else that I put under them, mm -hmm. right? And said, support the team leader, right? Two very good engineers. I like them both. Um, but here's what you find. And so I'll take it in this direction. So let's say we have a good employee. Nothing wrong with them when it comes to culture. They, they're just in the wrong role, right? Mm -hmm. So usually when you talk to the person, they know they're not in the right role, right? And if you kind of set them, well, hey, do you want to do this instead? I see where you're strong at. It's like, it brings, it's like a weight lifted off their shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did is I just flipped these guys, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy that was underneath, he was a much better team leader. And he, this guy that was on top was a much better technical expert, right? Mm -hmm. I just flipped them. And the team was, felt a big relief. They felt a big relief. And we had, much, we had great results. So I have no issues switching people around to their strength. Um, no, the other thing is, if I get somebody in that doesn't fit culture or is bad for the team, even if they're a high performer, then I have to get them out. Either, either change them or change them, right? So, like, talk to them, see if they can change attitudes and so on. But if they can't, then, then we've got to get them out because, you know, they can really wreck a team even if they're, not, even if they're strong at what they do. Mm -hmm. yeah. All righty, man. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> this is a lot of our information. Um, so I'm going to try here. Um, I could on going on, but I try to kind of split the era, the, the talking, um, partially looking at the, the man behind the, the title and the position, right? right? And the professional, and then kind of on the other end, you know, who is, who is Scott Harvey Lewis when he's not in the office? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, like, um, you know, I know you alluded to the fact that you have two young boys. What do you like to do for fun? Like when you're not working... What do you enjoy doing? Do you like sports, stuff like that? What, what do you like to do? Yeah, so, um, you know, so definitely I try to take care of the spiritual side of me first. So a lot of Bible reading and, and, and um, honing on that because I feel like if, if I, you know, that, that book has a lot of 
information that makes you a really good person if you follow it, right? So I try to hone in there. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, then physically, I like to, I mean, I like to ride, swim, lift weights, uh, that type of um, get the, the the body fit as well. And then obviously, being a, being a husband and, and, and a dad, a lot of my well, the majority of my free time is spent with them. So you know, in if I if I kind of divide the day up, it's like try to get some spiritual stuff in, some physical stuff in, work in, and then family in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not, how much time do you have to yourself? It's like, <laughs> it's like it doesn't happen. I don't know if there's time to my name anymore. <laughs> right, so like, most of the time is just spent with them, so um, you know, I want them to be able to grow up and, and feel like they're, they had a good dad. I, I feel like um, the biggest compliment I could have is when they're you know, old if I come to visit them wherever they are, they're just excited because they know when daddy comes, it's like the best time and I'm going to pay for everything and, you know, like they can, you know, have fun with me. So that's that. I really want to cultivate that type of relationship with them. Nice. That's, that's awesome, man. That's very inspiring. Um, I, where do you see yourself? And uh, what's, what's next for you? Or are you just right now just still growing in, in this VP role and, and, what do you see yourself? I don't know. Um, you know hopefully, if I take it like five years' time, I would have built something that I can be proud of and um, that has set me up in a way that I, I don't have to work as hard, right? Or maybe if I'm working hard, it's on something else. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I feel like this time in my life, I want to be able to set something up that becomes something not just for me but for other people. Right. And um, so I feel like in five years time, if I'm with EX and we've grown from right now, we're 25 people. If we're 50 or 75 people, mm-hmm. that'd be an awesome achievement to look back on and say, you know, hey, we, we pushed hard and this is a, a wonderful company we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that'd be kind of the, the sense of, of what I'd want. But on the bigger you know, scheme of things in five years time, hopefully, you know, my kids are happy. My, my wife is happy. You know, we've grown as a family. You know, I'm not just work, work, work. I'm, I'm all rounded in a way that I'm still healthy, still um, engaged with them, and that that side is is taken care of even more so than the professional side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, very important as well. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us? I try to, uh, I try to ask good questions. I try to get to know my guests, but I, I miss stuff too. I'm human. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you touched on a lot of things. I mean, we could probably talk for a very long time. There's so many, yeah. so many things to talk about. I mean, you know, there's. Absolutely. I've had an interesting career. I've gone through many different things, right? I've gone through various jobs. Maybe some people stay in one or two jobs. Mm-hmm. I've gone through, I'm on my eighth right now. So, you know, I've gone through offices closing. I've gone through um, being let go. I've gone through, um, you know, mergers. I've gone through a lot. So I feel like, I think I've pretty. I've seen a lot more than most people have in in their whole career. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, which you know, it's 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 maybe a hard road to take to where I am. But mm-hmm. all in all, I think having those experiences and now really kind of honing on what I do well and what I want to be, I can give good good advice and good um you know career path and. Sometimes just a, like I said, a reality check to some people who think you know everything is going to be easy. Sometimes it's not going to be like that. Okay, all right. I I do have one more thing. Sure. <laughs> this is uh, 
um, I'm sure probably like, uh, you know, based on your career track, you've come across this a lot, but how, what's your approach? How do you deal with negotiations? You know, let's say, for example, whether, um, you know, you have someone in their career and they're trying to negotiate for a better position or higher salary, you know, or someone who, yeah, that, or even just like from when you're trying to negotiate, when you have, you're trying to work on a contract with another client and you're trying to negotiate, you know, uh, an amount for the work. Um, what's, what's your philosophy on this? How do you approach doing that? Well, negotiating career is different than, than clientele. So um, in, in, in careers, I always tell people to be reasonable, right? Because there's, it's like um, buying a house. You, you're never going to find the perfect house, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people want, I want the highest paid job, but I want the least amount of stress. I want the best bonus, but I want time off. It's like they want all the best of things, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is if you're paid, if you're paid decently, right, and you can pay your bills and you can save and you really love your job, you're in a good place, right? There's not many people that can wake up every day and say, I love my job, right? So if you feel that way, then just because you're not earning the highest as your friend, is that really a big problem, right? So people want to push it to the limit all the time and say, well, I want the most, this is this, but then, and then they leave and go somewhere else where they have the most, but then they lose the love of the job, right? Now they might be going all over the place and all time for their family. So, you know, I, I think as people look out at what, you know, negotiations is obviously know your worth mm-hmm. and, you know, but be willing to compromise on some things because, you know, having a very flexible environment may be, may be good for somebody who wants to spend more time with their family, right? Whereas maybe a very high-paying, high-stress job is okay for somebody who's single because they have time that they can fly around the world. So it all depends on the person. So you just don't try to catch everything because right. you might lose, a, lose a, a very good opportunity just because you're trying to shoot for the stars, which you know, you're never going to get the perfect scenario of things. It's just not going to happen. Okay. But I try to, if somebody's negotiating with me, I, I always try to be as fair as possible. You know, I've, I've had people negotiate with me before and you know, they, they, shoot, they shoot low, right? They think they're shooting high, but they shoot low. Uh-huh. And I still put them where I think they're supposed to be, right? Because I say, hey, you know, you, you shot low, but this is, I'm going to give you this anyway, just so you know, right? Um, because I, I, I don't want anybody to ever think if they're dealing with me that there's some ulterior motive. Because for me, if you're working with me, um, if I take care of you, then you, you will take care of me in some sense, right? Uh-huh. And I want people that work with me to feel like there's, there's a relationship here that they can trust in what I'm going to do for them. And then that way they can, you know, put, to, put that to, to bed in their mind and do the best work they can do. So that, that's my philosophy on that. Now, quickly on to clients. Uh, in negotiating with clients, I mean, it's simple. Like, it, it, if you know your service, you know the cost. Technically, they're, they're just buying time, right? So, like, uh-huh. I put a budget together. It's some of the time, I think. And then I'm telling you this is the amount of time and this is the rate. So... You know, there may be some wiggle room in there because of scope and so forth. But at the end of the day, the price is the price. So it's, you know, and usually uh, I say the best clients don't argue, right? They're more, yeah. in, they're more um, care about how long it's going to take and what they're going to receive. The ones that want a nickel and dime, you know, I, I really don't have any time for that. So, you know, I'm not really, I, I try to be as fair with the price. And if they want to argue, then maybe I'm not the right person to work with. All righty. Well, Thank you. Um, yeah, we're wow. We already almost uh, an hour in. So I I, <laughs> I I really appreciate this. Um, you know when when if if you could look back on Scott Harvey Lewis, um, 
17 years from now, just fresh out of college. Do you have an advice with Giva? Um, so, so a couple of things. You know, I always tell people, like, stay humble, just do your best, right? If you always do your best and you, 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 you put that foot forward, you can never, you're not going to ever regret anything, right? So uh -huh. people may take advantage of you. People may, but at the end of the day, if you did your best, you can move on and nobody can ever argue with that, right? Uh -huh. But one thing that um, I say I'm learning more and more is I wish years ago I knew what my skill set was that I was really good at uh -huh. because I think that led to frustration sometimes in the sense of like, why can't you see that? Like, this is obvious, right? Uh -huh. But it's not obvious to everybody, right? It's like if somebody is working through a problem and they're trying to teach somebody how to do it. And they're just like, it's obviously X equals 12, right? It's right. obvious. Mm -hmm. The person that's learning is not going to really appreciate that. So I wish I knew that me being good at certain things, I could have been patient and, you know, showed people how to go through it as opposed to being like, hey, it's obvious. This is how it's done, right? Um, so that, that's something I just didn't know about myself. Um, mm -hmm. But now I'm learning more and more. So I think with that, I can be more patient, more empathetic, more um, humble with that side of things and just, you know, continue to learn. Um, but yeah, so that would be my advice to my, myself is do your best, stay humble, and the things that seem to be really easy, it doesn't mean it's easy for somebody else. Right. All righty. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, uh is it cool if I um, put your link profile on the the uh, episode bio or like so people can can reach out yeah. to you? Yeah. Okay. No issue there. Alrighty. Uh, thank you guys for listening. So we had. Uh, thank you again. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, I definitely have. Make sure you you know, uh, text him or something. You reach out to him. Yeah. Tell him how much <laughs> it impacted him. You know. Um, so as always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy this. Make sure that you're also sharing with other people as well. Um, that's the whole reason we're doing this stuff. And we'll see you on the next one.